How's everybody doing this morning? God is up to something in our community, and I am excited about that because um, I really believe with all that I am right now that he is doing something that is completely new and different, and that's exciting. It's uncharted waters for us. And so as we move out, we're going to be discovering things and experiencing things together for the first time. Um, let's do this. Let's jump into the Word, um, and then we'll start there this morning. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 13 through 16. If you've got your Bible, open up there. Ephesians 4, 13. If you don't have it, then I have it for you. And what I'd like to do is... Um, I'm going to read this scripture, and I'd like to take a moment just to kind of give each person to kind of meditate upon this scripture before we jump into it. So it says this in verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Verse 15, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's take a minute to... Read this on your own and kind of meditate on this for a moment. Father, today, um, we want to grow. We want to be mature in every respect. God, we don't want to be children who stay children forever, but we want to we grow not only in understanding, but in practice, not lacking in anything. So today, Lord, will you open our eyes to see you, and will you give strength to our heart, strength to our mind, to move out into the things you're calling us into, the uncharted waters. Cause us, Lord God, to grow up and be mature and move from the the more elementary things into the deeper things that you have in store for us, God. Thank you and we love you. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So this morning I want to talk for a few minutes about God's plan, his intention for our lives, his, the irresistible destiny, as some put it, that he has intended for us. It is moving all in the same place. In Romans 8, 29, it it says it pretty clearly where it says that God has predestined every Christian to be conformed, in other words, to be changed to the likeness of Christ. 
So in other words, before we were even born, he already put it in, in, in plans, is already in motion, that when we come to faith in Christ, we will be changed to his likeness. We will reach this place, this state of perfection according to Christ. And so now the reason that this is our destiny, the reason that this is going to be fulfilled is because of effort. Jesus' effort on the cross. We know that we've all fallen short of this. And if you're anything like me, when you stop and you think about some of the decisions that you've made or, or some of the, the things that you're struggling with even now, we talk about, and, and then we think, my destiny is perfection. That, that's just, that's so far out of reach. But it is our irresistible destiny because of the effort and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's the work that he has done that now has torn down every barrier between us and our destiny. It has been wiped away clean. There is nothing that can stand between us now. All things that stand in opposition to you right now, today, have been neutralized by the power of Jesus' effort and work on the cross. And so now... Your destiny lies before you like an open path ready for us to just move towards. But we do have to move towards it because as you are well aware, we are not there now. We are not in a state of perfection right now. It is God and his love and his work for us that will carry us there. But what I want to propose this morning, it is not the effort of Christ alone that carries us to our destiny. It is not the effort of Christ alone. At least, this is according to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to set the tone for you a little bit here, just so that you know. The Apostle Paul, on one of his uh, first missions trips, visited the city of Ephesus. And while he was there, he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many people were interested in what he had to say, and so they began to follow his teachings. And at one point, he actually began, he stayed there for a number of years, teaching them and building the church in Ephesus. They became very dear to his heart. Fast forward years later, where Paul is in prison in Rome, knowing that his destiny is to be killed and martyred for the faith. He writes a letter to all of his Christians that were in the church in Ephesus. And as he writes this letter, there's kind of like two parts to it. There's like a first half and the second half. The first half, the first three chapters, he takes and he's reminding all of these people of the gospel, the basic gospel message of Jesus Christ, the work that he has done for them, the things that he has sacrificed for them, and what they have access to now, what they have the ability to do now because of Jesus' work. He's reminded them of the basic, the, just the basics of the gospel. And he reminds them of God's ultimate purpose for all of us. In, in uh, Ephesians 1.10, it says that his purpose is to unify everything in heaven and on earth under Jesus Christ. This is the ultimate purpose of God, to unify everything. And so then he begins to, to um, and then he prays a prayer as he gets to the end of the first three chapters. And he prays this. 
Oh, that's not it. Where did the prayer go? <laughs> he prays this. He prays that. Um, I, he says in verse 17, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may filled, be filled to the measure of all the fullest of God. After he reminds them of the basics of the gospel message, he prays that they would have the strength to grasp the love of God. Because we read about, the, about his love on, these are, as words on a page, but to really fathom the depth and the overcoming power of these things takes a supernatural ability because this is a supernatural love. And so this is his, his greatest concern is that we would be able to grasp this. So that's his prayer for the believers, that they would grasp the love of God because he knows that it is that very love when we, are grasped, when we can grasp the strength of that love, that that is what's going to propel us forward. And that's the very thing that he does in the second half of Ephesians, chapters four through six. Now he says, in light of that love, in light of what God has done for you, now turn and look forward and let it propel you in this direction. And here now is the right verse in Ephesians four, where he says, I urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. He is urging us because of all that God has done. Don't lose sight of it. Don't forget. Don't say, okay, yep, check the box, got it, and move forward. No, because of this, this is where our focus remains. That's what continues to propel us forward. Not just today or tomorrow, but for the rest of our lives, the strength of that love remains with us and keeps us fueled to do the work of God fueled to fulfill the calling that he's placed on our life. There's nothing more powerful than the love of God. Love itself is, is a captivating thing. For those of you who have experienced being in love with someone or something, know what that can do to you. It can do crazy things to our It affects us emotionally. Being in love affects us psychologically. Being in love affects us behaviorally. The things that we do, it affects us in all these ways. Our, our, our thoughts move from ourself towards the object of our love. That's where our, our mental energy kind of remains in that place because we're, it's like um, being captivated. And even when that thing or that person is not with us, our thoughts remain there. Love can blind us to faults and mess-ups of people. And even when we do notice them, we're quick to forgive because we're not concentrating on the mess-ups. We're concentrating on the person. This is the strength of God's love. And Paul reminds us of all that God has done in love, in hopes and prayers that we would get caught up in that amazing love. Then he shows us exactly and coaches us what our response to that love should be. Love is now the motivator. Love for him points us towards one another. Because we can only look at him for so long until he says, go serve my child. Go minister to my son, my daughter, 
Go connect. And so Paul says, because of this love of God, I need you now to act in love. And he gives us in this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, three key areas of how to put effort into love. And this is what he says in Ephesians 4. Oh, excuse me. What are you seeing? I'm all all discombobulated here because I see something different on my screen than you see. Here are the three things that he shares with us of what to do in love. Bear with one another in love, Ephesians 4.2. Speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. Build each other up in love, Ephesians 4.16. And this love that he is referencing it's, it's an agape love, which essentially means it's not a romantic love. It's not even a brotherly love. It's an unconditional commitment love. In other words, regardless of what conditions you're up against, regardless of what happens to you or what you encounter, bear with one another, speak the truth to one another, and build one another, regardless of what you are engaging with. This is how love for God acts in this world. This is what he's counseling us. And so he goes on in verse, in verse 16 of chapter 4, he, he tells us that we all have work to do to serve each other. And as each part does its work, as each part does its work, the body of Christ builds itself up to this place of complete maturity and fullness of Christ. But this is the key that I want to hone in on this morning. As each part does its work. This requires every part, every person doing their work. As you do your part, I am built up. The people around you, whether or not you're even aware of it, are being built up. As I do my part, you are being built up towards his completeness. And so this is what it really is now. Our love for God moves us from living for ourselves to living for one another. As we do our part, we're building up the people around us. And most often when you're doing this building, it's not something to get discouraged about when you say, I can't see any effects. That's in God's hands. We don't need to see that for ourselves as long as we are engaging and just offering what we have, be it time, be it skills, be it wisdom, whatever it is. As long as you are giving it, the results are in God's hands to deal with. But what he's calling us to do is to plug in and give effort, do our work. We're built up to our destiny of perfection and completeness because every part does its work. And now this is how we are built up together. I brought my tool bag with us, with me today. (laughs) Because this is what I want to do with you. My hope for this community, for each of us. No, I'm not going to build you another decrepit jewelry box, Slay. I said that. that. (laughs) How how many heard that story? I tried so hard, too. (laughs) What I want to do with you today, what I want to do with you going forward, what I want to do as a community is build one another 
up. And it's only going to happen as you give of yourself. I have here today um, way more than I would need for any one job. When I, when I was a general contractor full time, you, I would only keep in your pouch the tools that you need for the job of the day. You don't need to carry dead weight around for no reason. But now, since I don't use it as often, I kind of keep a lot of random things. Ratchet set, you do not need for rough construction. Drill bits, not needed. A lot of these random things, vice grips, uh, wrench, all, way more than I need. But what I want to do is show you this. There are tools here. Every tool is here to accomplish a specific job. There is no one-size-fits-all tool. You'll see a lot of infomercials of all these, these little fold-out wrenches and pliers and knives, and they try to put as much as they can on these little things, and the more they put on it, the cheaper it becomes. Because there's no such thing as one tool that can do every job. Every tool is designed to accomplish a specific task. And depending upon what the work is, you need the tool that's made for it. Okay? If, I have, if I'm attaching some wood together, I need to hammer it together, and all I have is my screwdriver, the job's not going to get done, or I'm going to end up with a broken screwdriver. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> if I need to install a light fixture or a fan in the ceiling, and all I have is my hammer, it, it's useless. You need, I, need, I need a drill. I need, I, need, I need the right tool to get the job done. God is our provider. He gives us all the tools that we need. And Paul says in Ephesians 4, he says this. In verse 8, see if I can get the right scripture to come up. There it is. In verse 8 of chapter 4, but each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. We can be there. We can do this. We can become whole and mature as long as you acknowledge that you have been given gifts and they've been intended to do works of service. Every single one of us has been given the grace of gifts. These gifts are tools. You possess tools. Whether or not you know what those tools are or not, most people don't even know, but they're still using them as, they, as long as they are engaging. Every person has been given a set of tools. And as we come together as a community and we're trying to build, we're going to encounter different parts of the job that you are needed for. The work doesn't go on without the people that have been given the equipment to do the work. He wants us to do the work. He wants to remind you this morning, you have been given tools. You have the ability. Do you have the willingness to use those tools to build one another up? Every one of us plays a crucial part and we cannot reach that place of completion without every tool in our arsenal. You have something I need. 
I have something you need. The only variable is this. Are we willing to work together? Are we willing to use what I have and offer it to one another? Are we willing to come close enough to each other to build? Is our love for God strong enough that it propels me close enough where my tool can now have access to build in you? And so this is what Paul is addressing in Ephesians 4, these three key areas that he, he is telling us to work on. It's really the, the how-to of engaging, the how-to of building one another. You have the tools, now you need the know-how. How-to. And there's three areas I want to take just a minute for each of them. In Ephesians 4, 2, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. This word bearing is interesting. It's, the Greek uh, word is aneko. And what it really means is to hold up under pressure or to put up with. Uh, the, the, actually, the New American Standard puts it this way. Show tolerance. Tolerate one another. Put up with one another when you encounter frustrations. Anyone who has kids, a spouse, or has spent any significant time with the same people or person, you know we come to this place where we have different points of view, where our personalities rub against each other a little bit, and there's some friction that develops. This is bound to happen. And at this point, we are encouraged to put up with one another. Check out Mark chapter 9 if you have some time this week. I won't get into it now, but Jesus himself, Jesus himself, he said... How long do I have to put up with you? <laughs> so even Jesus himself was pushed to the point where he had to put these things into action. The love of God inside him had to give him the strength to put up and tolerate the people that were around him. <laughs> but this instruction of bearing with one another insinuates that we're close enough to each other that we experience the tension of our differences. And so if we haven't reached this place of frustration with each other, we haven't come close enough to each other. And if you have reached this place of frustration, one another, Paul says, put up with it. Don't walk away. Don't take your tools and walk home. Stay where you are and tolerate it in love. Not in anger, not in bitterness, in love. Take what I've given you and remain in that place. Because remember, it's not even directly for that point. Don't put all your attention on this source of frustration. Your attention is on the love of God. And that's what's moving you towards them. And so whatever's happening here doesn't change what God has done here. His love keeps pushing me back, even if I'm, I'm hitting like a brick wall. And it, it's pushing me back. It's pushing me back until finally that wall is going to be broken and we're able to build and construction can continue. This is his intention. This is our irresistible destiny, perfection, completeness, maturity. We are on our way there as long as we are willing to take what we have and work with one another, engage with one another, and allow people around us to use their tools on us as well. That's not always fun. It's not always easy. But what he's essentially saying this it, it, with bear with one another is this. Engage 
the conflict in love with patience and gentleness and humility for Christ's sake. Engage the conflict. Indulge your brother or sister in their different ways of doing things. We're not trying to conform one another to our way. We're trying to encourage one another to conform to his way. It doesn't have to be my way. The Bible is what we're trying to be in alignment with, not my opinion. When the job gets hard, we have to remain at work, continue to build, and move closer so that building can continue and not stop. The next instruction was this in in Ephesians 4.15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body. Speak the truth in love. So this word comes from the Greek word that's pronounced alethwentes, alethwentes, which means essentially to say or do truth or reality. To say or do truth or reality. Another way that this phrase could be worded is give record of what God has said. See, the truth is that we all need to be reminded of God's goodness of his will, of what he has done for us. We need to be reminded of what's empowering us to keep moving forward. We need to say, oh wait, no, look there. You're looking in the wrong direction. You're frustrated, you're angry, you're you're feeling bitter. You're looking in the wrong direction. Look back, speak truth over one another. And this goes for every one of us, from the person teetering on their faith, not sure where they stand, to the person who is the most committed believer. We all need to be the word to be spoken over us, the truth to be spoken over us. Because besides bolstering our faith, speaking the truth is really an instruction to confront one another in love. Not only do we have to engage the conflict, but he's telling us, speak, confront one another in love. Address one another when the friction comes, when the conflict comes. This is what you do. Address one another. Work through it. You know, uh, a number of years ago, Elijah, um, actually, it was a lot of years ago because he's a lot older now, he wanted a treehouse. And so since we had no trees big enough in our backyard to build one, we ended up building uh, just basically a fort next to the little sapling tree that was in our yard. (laughs) But there was an open window right next to the tree, so it's kind of a tree tree house next to a tree. (laughs) And so we did everything we needed to do to build this. It's like this two-story Uh, fort. The bottom is like a little bike shed. You climb a ladder to get to the top. And as we were nearing the end of the project, I was putting the roof on and I put the shingles on the first half of the roof. And that was done. And then it ran out. And then a day and a week and a month and now years have passed. And that roof is still half done and half finished. But here's the thing. The half that's finished is the half that faces the house. So when you're in the house or in the yard and you look at it, It looks great. It's a complete project. It's all done. But when you happen to walk the other way and you walk off the property, you're like, ooh. Not only does it look incomplete, it's been left incomplete, sorry, buddy, for years. So it looks almost like it's deteriorating and like the plywood on the roof is starting to fold in because it's not done. But from the perspective where we stand in the yard, if we're having a bonfire or, or a picnic, it looks great. It's out of sight, out of mind. We think it's done. But until we look at it from another perspective, we say, ooh, there's, there's more that needs to be addressed. 
We need one another's point of view. We need each other's perspective on our own life to see reality. I need you to speak reality and truth over my life because you know something? I'm just like you. I've got blind spots. It's not that I want to leave things undone. I, there's more work to be done, I know it, but I don't always know where that area is. I don't know what parts of the project need to be, need to be built. With your perspective, with you addressing that and speaking in love, now I can come to see this and the work can continue. We have to speak uh, the truth in love to one another. This is a challenging thing because the truth is it's uncomfortable to speak things that you think people don't want to hear. It's uncomfortable to call things out that might upset somebody. You say, hey, hey, did you know that you left that tree, your, your son's treehouse unfinished for years? Mm. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know you confront me on that all the time. <laughs> but the truth is, if we fail to speak the truth in love and address each other with the things that we see in one another, we are only hurting each other. See, silence and secrecy create barriers that we don't want. Honesty fosters intimacy and relationship and growth. But when honesty is lacking, separation thrives and grows. That is not what we're after. We want to build each other up. The third thing, Ephesians 4.16, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's just this general admonishment to build one another up in love. This is our purpose and the reason why our destinies are tied together. I need you to build me up towards maturity and completeness and you need me and others to build you up towards maturity and completeness. We cannot be built up. If I'm reading this scripture as you are, we cannot be built up in isolation. Because this says, we build ourselves up as each person does its work. We have to be together and each one do our assigned work with the given tools that we have and simply do our job. It's, oh, it's, opening, it's opening day today, football. I think of the Patriots' motto, do your job. This is what we're being told to do. Do your job. Engage conflict. Embrace confrontation. And do your job. Use your tools and engage one another. Bear with one another in love and speak the truth unconditionally. And so here's our question. Are we ready are we willing to build? Are we willing to engage this conflict when it comes? In love and gentleness and humility, always. Are we willing to embrace that confrontation and really do our part? It's going to be fun. Conflict and confrontation, it's beautiful. It's lovely. Everybody loves that stuff. <laughs> wow. It's that bad that we can't even get <laughs> We can't even laugh about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, conflict. Yeah, lay it on me. <laughs> a 
listen, guys, a, a, a strong family, a strong team, a strong organization, they're strong because they've learned how to work one another, with one another through challenging times. When things get tense and the pressure builds, they have learned to pull together. Pressure doesn't cause them to scatter and run away. Pressure pushes them together. It's time to pull the wagons, circle the wagons. And this way, this is how struggles will only make us stronger. When we encounter struggles, we have to intentionally put effort and work into building one another up. It has to be on purpose, not on accident. Intentionally build one another up. Because when we apply God's love in this way, loving each other and bearing with each other, speaking the truth, when we encounter ourselves this way, now we look at opposition in a new way. Adversity turns into opportunity. Strength, uh, struggles and weakness turns into strength because of our commitment for one another. See, our problem, though, is that we, take, we tend to take casual steps toward together until things start to get a little inconvenient. It doesn't work with my schedule or, or until it gets uncomfortable. But when we reach that boundary of our comfort zone, we stop in our tracks and we revert back to where we had been. Our work, though, is to build one another up. And I can't build you up when you're too far away. See, too often we will only enter the places with each other where the building is already complete. That room is finished. It's painted. Everything's done. Why are you staying in this place? We aren't willing to enter the rooms that are still under construction. The places where our tools are desperately needed we don't enter there. We don't go there. It's like we see this big construction zone warning sign, and then we run the other way, forgetting that that is where we are being called into. Ephesians 4.1, live a life worthy of the calling. He's calling us into these construction zones. You've got the tools. Do the job. Your gifts and tools are not needed in the rooms that have already been built up. The work is done. Carrying our tools around in these places is just like dead weight. It's just for show, like, oh, look at what I got. What do you think of that? <laughs> it's a novelty. It's useless. It's pride. <laughs> you have tools to do a job, so don't hang out where the work is already done. Get your hands dirty. Let's get busy. We have to enter the construction zone. You like my tools, don't you, Kristen? <laughs> Listen, we have to be willing to enter the places where there's real risk involved. The places where we have to watch our step and move gently and intentionally because bad things could happen if it's not handled in love and according to Scripture. That's where our tools and our presence is needed where it takes effort to stay and work. And that is how we play an active role in each other's destiny. That is how we build ourselves up to complete maturity. This is where God is calling this community. 
He wants to build us up. But we have to be aware this is not just his work. It's not just his effort. This requires all of our efforts. If you withhold yourself, we are hurting. Then we don't have everything that we need. God has you here for a reason, to be blessed and to be nurtured and to be cared for and built up by all of us. But you're also here to build us up. We all play this receiving role as well as a giving role simultaneously, not even knowing it. Let's build one another up. Let's give of ourselves. Let's see tension and friction and move towards it in love and watch what God can do with that. Let's pray. God, you are so good this morning, so loving and so faithful, so committed to us, and I'm just grateful for that, Lord. Lord, I don't want to see anything that you are doing, any work that you have intended to, to stop short because we are not willing. So Lord, as a people, we take what you've given us, we acknowledge you have given us things. You've given us gifts and tools that we need. We offer it to you, Lord. Show us the people and the places and the times to engage and to offer what you've given to us, to offer it back to your body. Continue to deepen us and build us up. Cause us, Lord, to be mature. I trust you for this. I know you're doing this in us. I look forward to see what is this really going to look like as we reach these new depths and these new places with you, Lord. I know you've got us right where you want us, and we remain with hearts open and a willingness to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.